Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting their website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. Uh, Lifeinnaples.net is the website. It is the... (laughs) It is the big day, November the 3rd. It is election day, and it's the day we've been waiting for. We've got great guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator, will be joining us. Boo Mortensen, uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, will be on board, as well as my wife, Linda, who writes greetings from paradise. We'll get an update from her as well. As I mentioned, it's November the 3rd, and on this day in 1998, former professional wrestler, Jesse the Body Ventura was elected governor of Minnesota with 37% of the vote. Now, uh, I had contacts in Minneapolis at the time, and I polled a lot of folks. I couldn't find one person that voted for him. But irrespective, uh, his opponents, seasoned politicians Hubert Humphrey III, son of Lyndon Johnson's vice president and the uh, attorney general in Minnesota, and St. Paul Mayor Norm Coleman's, Spent a total of $4.3 million on their campaigns. Uh, Ventura, the Reform Party candidate, spent $250,000, money raised by selling $22 T-shirts and accepting $50 donations from his supporters. His only political experience had been his years as mayor of the Brooklyn Park, a suburb of Minneapolis. But his laid-back, straight-talking, libertarian approach to politics resonated with men and Minnesotans, especially young men who had never voted before. I voted for Jesse because he was the most honest, one young constituent said. Uh, if he doesn't know something, he just says he doesn't know. Well, during his professional wrestling career, he would always been the bad guy. He wore tie-dyed outfits, feathered boas, and garish sunglasses, and he loudly and profanely heckled his opponents. The body was shamelessly dishonest. His motto was, win if you can, if you lose if you must, but always cheat. <laughs> Anyhow, what a character he was. I saw him speak, actually, at uh, Harvard University when we were living in Boston. Uh, he talked about his campaign, and he said, you know what? Uh, after we won, we got to go with my team, and I said, now what the heck are we going to do? Like, he didn't have a plan, but nevertheless, uh, Jesse Ventura voted uh, into office this day in 1998. Well, it is November the 3rd, Election Day, and the last opportunity to vote in the 2020 general election. Polls will open until 7 p.m. Voters will have who vote in person must do so at their assigned precincts, and voters in line by 7 p.m. will have an opportunity to vote. So make sure you vote today. Uh, No matter how you decide to vote, I hope you vote for President Trump, but nevertheless, it is your franchise and opportunity as a citizen to vote. The Florida Department of Health reported 78 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths in Collier County yesterday. Uh, the seven-day average now has tripled during October, rising from 28 in October the 1st to 84 on October the 31st. One bright spot for Collier County is the surge in COVID cases is not resulting in an increase in verified coronavirus-related deaths. Rather, last month, 35 coronavirus-related fatalities in Collier residents were 10 fewer than the 45 reported in September. August was the deadliest month for uh, cases of death with 54. 
Also, good news from the Cuyahoga County school system. There are about 48,000 school kids enrolled in the 50 traditional public schools, seven charter schools, two technical colleges, and their alternative schools. About 3,200 teachers are employed in the district. About 26,800 students are enrolled in brick-and-mortar schools this fall, according to the district. To date, there have been 154 cases that were been reported in Cuyahoga County schools. And that includes teachers and staff. I think that's pretty darn good. So uh, we're moving along, and uh, deaths are down. That's good. Don't know about hospitalizations. Didn't see any statistics about that. The Dow Jones Industrial and S&P 500 closed higher yesterday, posting slimmer gains on the eve of the U.S. presidential election as investors girded for it. Could be big market swings this week. It rose about 423 points, and the Dow Jones Industrial Average uh, futures are up about 400 or so uh, this morning, so that's good news. The official tally isn't in yet, but one candidate can safely claim victory in Pennsylvania's bakery's cookie poll. Lockles, a family-owned bakery located in a town of Hatboro, said the shop's Trump-themed cookies are vastly outselling its Biden-themed cookies by a margin of almost 6 to 1, with some customers driving from neighboring states in order to get their hands on the treats. Well, we had one guy drive twice from Staten Island for them, he said. Uh, she said, this is Kathleen Lockle. What's more, Kathleen has previously touted the informal cookie poll, which she'd held for the past four election cycles, has accurately predicted the outcome of the last three elections. We plan on tallying them up tomorrow night to do so in our final tally, she said, which kicked off about two months back. Right now, Donald Trump is still in the lead. We've sold about 28,000 Trump cookies to 5,000 for Biden. By end of day sales, knowing the orders we have, Trump cookie sales should probably approach 29,000, she said. After a final tally on Tuesday night, however, Kathleen said she stopped counting up the cookie sales, even if the actual election drags on for days past November the 3rd. The bakery, however, will continue to bake the limited edition cookies for, for customers who currently have outstanding orders. This is definitely by far the busiest we've ever been, she said, adding that demand for cookies has superseded anything they've seen before, including the week leading up to Christmas, which is generally their busiest time of the year. Lockles doesn't plan on taking any breaks after the election either. In addition to fulfilling back orders, Kathleen will be debuting a celebratory cookie in honor of the winner with special sweets planned in the event of either Trump or Biden's victory. If people could just look at the whole picture and see that a small business can overcome the pandemic by thinking outside the box, I hope this inspires others to stay afloat, stay the course, and hopefully we'll all survive. What a great story, huh? Talk about capitalizing on opportunity, and uh, we'll hope this is the canary in the coal mine for the election. Six to one, uh, outselling Biden cookies. And speaking of cookies, we've got a, a few crumbs to throw to old Sleepy Joe. He won the midnight election in Dixville Notch, North uh, New Hampshire. Biden won all five votes. That's right, uh, Dixville Notch has five voters in the small New Hampshire township that historically tallies their rallies uh, results just before midnight. In doing so, he gained the first victory on Election Day nearby Millsville, roughly 12 miles to the south of Ditchfield, uh, Dixville Notch. Also voted for the president just after the stroke of midnight. President Donald Trump won early with 16 votes to Biden's five. So this is this go, tradition goes back to 1960, actually. It's the 60th anniversary of the tradition. And uh, 
in some cases, actually, candidates have gone to Dixville Notch for the uh, first vote, kind of symbolic for what's going on in the country. Well, President Trump held a total of five rallies yesterday in four different states, Fayetteville, North Carolina, Scranton, Pennsylvania, Traverse City, Michigan, Kenosha, Wisconsin, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Trump wrapped up his fourth rally in Kenosha and headed over to Grand Rapids for its fifth and final election eve rally. The president's entire family was spotted next to the stage as Trump's Kenosha rally dancing and smiling. They know the president is going to win big today. In 2016, he held his final election eve rally in Grand Rapids and said that he's a little so superstitious, so he's decided to hold his final uh, rally in uh, Grand Rapids again, in the same spot, actually. Uh, and it started, I suppose it was listed to start at 1030, it started at midnight. Well, the Justice Department announced its plans to, for presidential voting rights monitoring in jurisdictions around the country on Tuesday for the general election. Uh, Kerry Kupek, uh, who is the uh, spokesperson for the DOJ, announced the plans on Twitter, as well as on the official Justice Department website. And uh, it's kind of interesting. There's about several states that are listed, including Florida, uh, but other states like Pennsylvania, where they I probably consider to be concerns and hotspots for, for monitoring the election results. So anyhow, if you're concerned about the election results, uh, DOJ, they're on top of it, and they're watching for anything like voter fraud. There's also a hot number. If uh, you want to call and you spot something that looks suspicious, you can call the DOJ. Just go to the Department of Justice uh, website. You may know there are many Democrats in Pennsylvania who are voting for Trump this year, but would you be surprised to learn that there are even elected Democrat officials in the state who are planning to vote for Trump? Sam DeMarco is chairman of the Republican Committee of Allegheny County and also an elected Allegheny County councilman at large. Allegheny County, which includes a Democratic Pittsburgh, went for Hillary Clinton with 56.5% of the vote in 2016 to Trump's 40. In an interview Sunday, DeMarco said shy Trump voters most definitely exist in his county. Some are in the upper middle class suburbs where Trump supporters just don't want to deal with the social aspects of neighbors asking, how can you vote for this guy? But others are in, in traditional Democrat strongholds. I'm an elected official, DeMarco said. I've had at least a dozen Democratic elected officials tell me that they're voting for Trump. Let me repeat that. A dozen, at least a dozen uh, Democrat elected officials saying they voted for Trump. They say they don't like where the party has gone so far to the left, but as Democratic elected officials, they can't come out and say it. That's so interesting, isn't it? Now, hopefully that is a canary in the coal mine. And by the way, Twitter announced on Monday that it's designated ABC News, the Associated Press, CNN, CBS News, Decision Desk, HQ, Fox News, NBC News as the outlets they will refer to for election results. My goodness. Can you believe that? The, <laughs> uh, it's just unbelievable that they'll take, assume that they can speak for us and decide who's going to be able to spread the news about the election. Twitter announced on Monday that it will work with seven corporate media outlets to confirm results for Tuesday's general election, none others, just those seven. Twitter claims it's included Fox News on its list to, as, of reference outlets in order to fend off accusations that the rest of the selected outlets are biased against Donald Trump. Uh, Twitter suffered a stock price crash of more than 21% the other day. The crash came shortly after Twitter's third quarter report, which noticed slow user growth and decreasing advertising revenue. Well, uh, 
It's just unbelievable. During a conference call with analyst Facebook founder, uh, CEO Mark Zuckerberg stated that the social media giant plants to post notices at the top of users' news feeds on the, today discrediting claims by either U.S. presidential candidate that they have won the election if the site deems the announcements premature. I just can't believe the arrogance of these guys, assuming they can take these positions as if they're controlling the news feed for the rest of the country. This Section 230 of the uh, Decency Act of 1996, it needs we need to dispose of that. They should not have the support of uh, the law in order to... The, to, in order to discriminate on the news feed as they are currently doing. They're actually announcing this. It's unbelievable. Uh, by the way, the President uh, Trump has announced his signing of the 1776 Commission on Monday to promote patriotic education. This is a big deal. Maybe we can talk about it uh, later in the show. Right now it's time to visit with Kathleen Pasadomo. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples magazine. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Lulu's Kitchen. It's a new part of uh, St. Matthew's House. Uh, Jerry Holacek and her family foundation provided the funding for that. That's why it's called, uh, of course, Lulabee's Diner, located in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Serves great breakfast and lunch. They're also providing takeout and delivery by uh, Uber Eats. So uh, visit Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Sure, thank you. Good morning. Good morning. You know, I realized something. What? Um, we have been doing this for 10 years, starting in 2010. Isn't that amazing? It's You know what? And I just love having you on the show. I feel very comfortable with the commentary that you bring. It's very thoughtful. Uh, just, again, genuinely appreciate you coming on. So 10 years, here we are, and it's it's election day. Uh, are you excited? Yeah, I really am. I mean, I, uh, your guess is as good as mine as how it's going to turn out, but I'm, um, I'm pretty confident that uh, President Trump will uh, prevail in Florida. Um, you know, that's what I'm hearing from everybody, but one never knows, and, and we won't know probably for another couple of days. Really. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting. Well, it will be. And President, of course, was up in Wisconsin. He had his whole family there. They were all very happy. They didn't look, they didn't look nervous at all. So, um, uh, if if that counts for anything, uh, but uh, you know, everything I'm hearing is that people are either cautiously optimistic. I guess what I'm I'm uh, I'm very confident with moments of fear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that that kind of uh, sets the tone. I, you know, the uh, uh, the big concern that I have is, of course, the U.S. Senate. Um, you know, if we lose that, uh, it, even if uh, President Trump wins re-election, it's going to be hell to pay right. um, with the Democrats having both houses. So uh, the good the good thing would be keep the Senate, win the presidency. And win all the down ballots. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's looking pretty good for Byron Donalds. Uh, his commercials oh, are still. Yeah. He's he's looking very good right now. So of course that's gonna he's gonna continue uh, Rooney's seat. So that's what right. that's not a pickup. But uh, how how's it looking right now? Do you think there's? Are you hearing about any any uh, switches in terms of uh, Florida congressional candidates? The, there's uh, you, you know there's a lot of discussion. Uh, the, we have put some really good uh, people in, in races. Um, you know, there's a few that, that may change, but they also have some good people in races. Uh, so uh, I, my guess what would be we're going to probably come out about the same. Hmm. Um, and for the congressional races, the big issue will be in 2022 when the uh, – redistricting occurs and new maps are drawn because then there'll be different boundary lines. Uh, right now, you know, there is some concern about the Orlando area. It is uh, turning blue. Um, the, you know, that whole central corridor of the state. So we'll see how that turns out. Uh, we've been working really hard for our Senate candidates. Um, we have 23 Republicans now in the Florida Senate and we're hoping to pick up two, um, the Florida House may lose some Republican seats, but they they have an overwhelming majority of Republicans, so they'll be okay. Uh-huh. 
You know, we just don't know. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that's redistricting. Of course, this is based on the new census, correct? And so, who gets to make right. these? Who gets to make these decisions? Well, that's the million-dollar important question. Is the party that has the majority that's in power gets to actually create the committees, et cetera? So, uh, right now, uh, with a Republican majority in the House, the Florida House and the Florida Senate. The uh, speaker and the president, who are elected uh, and who are uh, who take their respective roles, and you know, starting tonight, will appoint the committees to do redistricting. Now, those committees will uh, also have members of the minority party, but the reality is, that when the maps are voted, they get voted by uh, the majority party. Uh, that being said, however, we have very strict. Uh, uh, guidelines that we need to follow. We've got, we had that constitutional amendment, the Fair District Amendment. We have Supreme Court rulings. So whatever we do, we're going to have to follow the law. Mm-hmm. The problem that happened in the last redistricting, they, they, there were some issues, and the, basically the maps were, were drawn by the Supreme Court with the help of the League of Women Voters. Um, so we have to make sure that we do it right, follow the law, and we won't have... Um, you know, outside groups making an impact. So uh, it, will it, it probably no doubt be contested in court? Well, I, I would think so. But what happened the last time is, and I was in the House of Representatives at the time, the map that we drew uh, passed judicial muster and, and was accepted. Unfortunately, the map that the Senate drew uh, did not, and that's why we had... Um, uh, the Florida Senate had to uh, um, redraw it, and it actually was drawn by the courts. Oh, so and interesting. So you know, we we're very careful. We're going to be very careful and do it right. And um, I think even if there will be a judicial challenge that the court will uphold what we do, because we'll follow the law. So my my guess is we're going to pick up some seats, perhaps in the. We probably will because of. Um, we're thinking one or two seats in Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the Florida legislature won't change, but uh, because the, uh, Florida's population has increased. However, I will say one of the biggest concerns and one of my, uh, um, what I did a lot this summer was do like road trips and, 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 and uh, articles and editorials on filling out the census because Florida was one of, one of was in the bottom half of the states in response to the census. And if we don't have the right count, then we could lose millions and millions of federal dollars plus uh, congressional representation if, if it's not accurate. So um, mm. I think they had extended it through the end of October. I don't know if it's been extended any further. Um, and hopefully people did get their census in filled out. It's so interesting, and also the president, I think, uh, took it to the Supreme Court, if I'm not mistaken, to exclude people who are not citizens in the count for determining congressional districts. I don't know how in the world they're going to determine who's a citizen who and who's not, so I suspect well, that... Well, and I, I think that's a mistake, because uh, at least the way, our, our, um, the way we're set up is federal dollars are based on population, uh-huh. and, you know, notwithstanding... Uh, the fact that uh, we have a number, of, we have you know thousands of illegal uh, immigrants. 
we pay for them. We provide services to them. Mm-hmm. We provide health care. We provide education to their kids. Mm-hmm. And so if they're not counted, then those dollars don't flow to them, to us uh, to take care of them. And we're not going to change that uh, process. So I, I think no matter whether you're uh, here legally or not, you should be counted. That, if, you're, that, if you are a resident yeah. as opposed to a citizen. That is a great point. <laughs> so, well, yeah. uh, today's the big day. Uh, a lot on yeah. the line right now. By the way, uh, with with this congressional redistricting, we can imagine that some of those seats may come down from New York down to Florida. That's, that's where the migration is occurring, out of New York right. and states like that. So, yeah, they're probably blue state to blue seats now. Hopefully, we can turn them red. So, <laughs> well, I'm I would hope so. I do have these conversations when the first thing they do when they move to Naples is say, uh, "Well, I moved from New York because of the high taxes and whatever." And by the way, you're not spending enough money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we we ought to have a civics test for people that move down here. <laughs> exactly, or you know, a, a reality check is anything. Exactly, Kathleen. I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Have a great day. You as well. Thank you. All right, uh, it is election day, and coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mortson. It's time to find out what's new with Boo. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Offshore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000-square-foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show.
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board. One of their initiatives is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen, right here on the Paradise Coast. Boo, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. I'm down in the Paradise Coast now. I'm outside of Communist Madison, which is always a... uh a relief, and <laughs> today is the big day. Do you have election day jitters? You know, uh, as I mentioned to Kathleen Pasadoma, our state senator, I have, I'm very confident about the election, but I do have moments of fear. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of what I'm experiencing. How about you? Uh, yeah, I guess I, I think I have to say that I have anxiety. Uh, you know, this has been such a long haul, and it just seems like there's so much at stake. And oh my gosh, and and uh, yeah, I think I think the whole country is a little twitchy. I do too. Won't it be a relief to not look at commercials anymore about politicians? Oh, oh my gosh! Oh <laughs> lordy! Yeah, I'm I'm tired of. Yes, we have electoral fatigue, uh, Corona fatigue, Black Lives Matter fatigue. <clears throat> It's um, it's best to just live in your little bubble. As I think I told you the last time, I just kind of took a time out yeah. from all of that. Well, you know, uh, but it's hard not to turn the TV on. It is, and, and unfortunately, you'd like to think this is going to be the end of it. But unfortunately, I suspect we're going to have legions of lawyers uh, filing lawsuits uh, about the outcome of this, no matter how it goes. So uh, I'm afraid we're still going to, and I'm sure we're going to probably have some sort of uh, civil unrest as a consequence as well. Oh, yes. I noticed that um, there's a big restaurant right near where we live downtown, and they had taken all the boards up. You know, all of downtown is boarded up. You're talking about Madison. You're talking about Madison, Madison, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Bank, businesses, restaurants, uh, they've covered up all the uh, uh, ATM machines. Everything has been boarded up all summer. So there's one, one restaurant, which is really lovely. Uh, took the boards down, the plywood, and uh, as of yesterday, when I walked by before we came down here, they were boarding it back up. Wow. Uh, I think that there is a lot of anxiety about what's going to happen, the unrest. I do, too, and, and uh, well, what I'm hearing, too, in Portland, they're starting to move away from the city and back into the suburbs, and so uh, you just hate to think that people have to be fear for their person and for their property, yeah, in this day and age in the United States of America, it's unbelievable. No, there's yeah, there's a lot of <clears throat> a lot of unrest, and I think I blame a lot of it on the media. I blame it on social media. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I think that they have helped to contribute to the polarization of the country. Yeah, and you know, with social media, the genie is out of the bottle, and so. This is what we're left with. This is it. So have you voted? I know. I don't mean to be such a bummer, but let me just tell you, when you were a kid, did you play, like, arcade games? I, uh, I was a f- uh, pinball fan. I like to play pinball. So uh, arcade games, that's an interesting question. I don't think, well, I think I confined my activities to pinball. How about you? 
Well, that is kind of an arcade game where you'd stand and you'd hit the flippers and the flipper would knock the ball through the maze. That's it. Yep. Yes. Well, you know, that's that's kind of the gaming. Well, you know, then they brought in all of these games on, on the computers and people were trying to limit their, their kids' exposure to it, saying you go outside, go play, don't sit in, in front of a screen all the time. Well, the coronavirus has changed a lot of that because now the kids can't go join a bunch of other kids. Heck, most of them aren't even going to school. And so it is now the golden age of gaming. And listen to this. There are, what, 325 million? How many people live in the United States? I think it's about 360 million if you include the illegals. Okay, 360 million. 244 million People in the United States play video games. Wow. That is 244 million. That is staggering. It is staggering. Have you ever done this virtual stuff where you put the goggles on and, and uh, I have, I've, I've never done that. I don't know if you've had that experience. No, no. Have you? It would be really cool. But what's happening is now that the kids are coming back, more people are playing video games which is the modern version of, of, of uh, uh, the old-fashioned arcade games, but it's, you know, it's much more sophisticated yeah. um, th- than ever before. They estimate that they play 7.46 billion hours watching video games. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. The thing I worry about this, and I, I don't know a lot about this, so I, my, you can discount my comments, but I worry about the violence and the, <laughs> the things that, yes. you know, that uh, I think it, it could tend to incite or to develop or change the thought process of young people and how they deal with their problems. And uh, it, I think there might be a tendency to encourage kids to assert, you know, <laughs> violent behavior in order to get what they want. Oh, I agree. I think that when you've got movies, you've got TV, well, you had movies, but you've got movies, you've got TV, you've got rap music and and a lot of the music, and now you have these games, these video games, and all of that reinforces really kind of a culture of of, uh, violence. Yeah. So, Especially with the arcade games. You know, if you, not the arcade games, we call them the video games. Video games. If you look at some of them, it's always the good guys versus the bad guys. So it all involves killing and escaping and running and uh it's kind of it's just an amazing thing yeah i think the last video game i played this is a little creature called mario and he the key was yes (laughs) i think that's the last game i played yeah it it goes back uh that's got to be 20 30 40 years well it's come a long way a lot of them are now even more 3d it's really i mean it's just a a massive, massive industry. And there are people that are developing these games, yeah. and they have become so wealthy. Yep. It's, it's really something. It is indeed. So, Boo, how are you going to spend the day today? Uh, well, our car is arriving, so you, so you know what that means. That means that I'm unpacking uh, yeah. a 1,000-pound elephant that's been stuffed <laughs> into a 5-pound box. My car is ready to explode at the seams, so I will. That's what I'll be doing: grocery shopping and uh, unpacking. And how about you? Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna get uh, my first eye, my cataract removed in one of my cataracts uh, in one eye, and uh, that happens to this morning. So uh, I'm looking forward to that being over. Quite frankly, 
Do they give you, uh, like, a tranquilizer? Uh, they, you know, I guess I'm awake during the operation, but uh, they, uh, I think they numb up the eye. I'm not exactly sure what they do. I'm, I think the less I know about it, the, <laughs> the better I'm going to feel about it. But apparently it just takes a couple of minutes, and you, it's uh, after it's over, you think, hey, that was pretty cool. So, I, Yeah, I think it's a, a very quick operation. But beg for drugs. Good idea. <laughs> Boo. When, when, when I go and have a, a root canal, I said, anything you've got, I'll take. Yeah, okay. So well, that's a great suggestion. I'm so happy I brought the topic up. So good luck with <laughs> unpacking the car. And uh, most important, good luck with the election day. We can only hope for the very best results for America. You bet. We'll have a different song next week. We will indeed. Thank you so much, Boo. My pleasure. All right, good luck a, today. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can get tickets now by visiting the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Linda Harden, my wife. We're going to be talking. She writes Greetings from Paradise, very popular newsletter. We'll find out what's on her mind. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning. See, what's what's less government all about? Uh, November third. Um, <laughs> it's, 
it's about uh, reducing the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government. And taking a swipe at it today. Yeah, and so you wrote this column. It's great. Election 2020, all-in leftism must become extinct or we will. Great column. Tell us about it. Well, you know, there was a great column that was written in 2016 uh, called the Flight 93 election, where they said this is it. After eight years of Obama, um, if Hillary Clinton wins, we're done. And I agreed with that sentiment wholeheartedly. Mm -hmm. Um I supported Trump from his announcement day because of immigration um, and other policies. But when he when he swerved into that and had the guts to stand up to the response, I said, "Okay, he's the man." Uh, but I think this is even more important because the left for fifty years had engaged in somewhat patient uh, incrementalism. You know, if you if you look back on the last fifty years, oh, yeah. the conservatives haven't gained any ground. They've lost and lost and lost and lost, and then you had conservative ink in D.C., you know, writing stupid columns like the, the conservative case for gay marriage, and they kept acquiescing and, and falling back and falling back. And fall. and then here comes Trump blasting, uh, you know, I want to win again. And, and he meant, of course, trade deals and, and you know, and economy and, 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 and immigration and all that. I think he's at a gut level, at the very least, a career politician, he also looked at the last 50 years of what was going on, and, and conservatives wanted to win again. We hadn't won in so long. So uh, now, any masks that the left wore off, any incrementalism is gone. Um, I said to quote Freddie Mercury from Queen, they want it all and they want it now. Yep. Um, it's, they're all in now. I mean, you, the media, uh, you know, CNN and MSNBC and NBC and CBS, and, you know, they're all in. The New York Times comes out three or four years ago and says, uh, th- th- we're, not, we're not into reporting facts anymore. Stopping Trump is so important, we're not going to worry about those pesky things like facts. Um, they're all in. Big tech is all in. And that's where the problem arises. We've largely outsourced our First Amendment rights to big tech. They right. dominate the media landscape. I wrote a column I linked to in the piece three years ago, two years ago, where it's not big media driving the news anymore. They're not trying to get ratings. They're trying to get clicks. Yep. It's big tech that's driving the narrative in the country. And they're worse than the than big media. They're further to the left than big media has been. Um, and there, as we saw, you know, I loved, it, 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 it was fascinating when the, the, the Senate held the hearing uh, with, with the Google, Twitter, and Facebook CEOs, and the left was complaining because this is just showboating a week before an election. Yeah. No, they're having the meeting a week before the election, because two weeks before the election, the entire big tech shut down a very pertinent to the election story right. about Hunter Biden's laptop and Joe Biden selling America by the pound for the last five decades. Um, so all of these things is, is, is to say, you know, we're now starting to tepidly try to address Section 230 for people who don't know. Section 230 it was written in the 1996 Communications Decency Act. It's this blanket liability shield for big tech companies that says they can't get sued for libel and slander and, and, um, and uh intellectual property theft, um, as you know, um, uh, 
Nick Nick Sandman, the kid from Kentucky, who was a, a, you know verbally assaulted by the Indian when he was visiting D.C. And all the media outlets said, oh, he was very aggressive by standing there. Well, he's suing all the media companies and winning yes. for slander. Right. Can't do that to big tech. I know. And Can't it, do that to big tech. Yeah. Even though they were slandering him, too. Can't sue them. So the, the, the tepid attempts by, you know, realists in the, you know, in the real world are all within the confines of Section 230. And anything the government does to try to alter... Big tech speech is rightly outed as a First Amendment violation Mm -hmm. because it's the government telling them what they can and can't say. So the only solution is to undo the giant government cronyism that is Section 230. And to me, it's one of the law. I mean, there's no way Google, you know, steals so much of the marketplace from, first of all, other search engines, second of all, other retailers, third of all, um, the new the media. Yeah. I mean, how much advertising revenue have all the traditional media outlets lost to Google and Facebook and 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 Twitter? Tons. A ton. Yeah. And they can't do that. They can't get to be trillion dollar companies without this liability shield. It's the biggest cr- government crony gift in the history of government crony gifts. Yeah, but see, so the, it's, it, it, you it, can't it, fix it. You have to. You can't amend it. You have to end it. There's no way to fix it. You know, it's, it's, it's an unconstitutional, it's a 14th Amendment violation, equal protection before the law. You can't give Twitter liability protection and not give New York Times liability protection. You yeah. can't do that. That's unequal protection before the law. Yeah. Um, and, and so once you're within those unconstitutional confines, you're going to bump into a lot of other un- perspective unconstitutionalities like government dictating speech. So you have to end Section 230. Now, what's hilarious is, as big a gift as they got with Section 230, big tech's been big begging for another government crony gift, which is net neutrality. Yeah. Net neutrality is a law, would be a rule or a law or whatever that mandates that the internet providers can't charge big tech for all the bandwidth they use, which is a huge crony gift, because think how much bandwidth they use. And it means we pay more to subsidize big tech. Right. But it's also a First Amendment violation mm-hmm. because they're saying to the ISPs they can't manage the network, which means they can't, for example, block as spam the email from the Nigerian prince, yeah. which is them engaging in speech. They're, they're publishing. They're editing. That's what they're doing by doing that, by blocking spam and all that. And if you create some sort of carve-out in net neutrality for that, you're creating the same problems you're creating with this Section 230 carve-out. So the solution is no Section 230, no net neutrality, less government in both arenas, and let free ideas and, and the free market reign. I think that's a great idea. You know, theoretically, you'd like to think that you could have a platform where you know they simply they have li- limited liability because they don't censor anything. But you have to censor some stuff. And when that starts, then where's the line? And uh, if there is, if you can't determine the line, they shouldn't have Section Two Thirty. Well, well you, we, uh, that's exactly right. If you can't make the, you know, it's the old. I can't remember what Supreme Court justice said it. I can't define porn, but I know it when I see it. Right. Um, you can't. That's too opaque. And of course, there's the good faith clause in the in Section Two Thirty, which is you're supposed to edit content in good faith. Well, clearly. 
Big Tech is not doing that. No, they're leading with their chin. It's just interesting to watch that that uh, hearing. Did he? You know, they, they they perjured themselves up there. They lied. Yes, they're leading. Oh, yeah. oh, they're leading with their chin. I don't call this oversight, congressional oversight. I call it congressional oversight theater. Yeah. Because we get these guys perjuring themselves. I mean, J- Jim Clapper, uh, John Brennan, yeah. Eric Holder in the last eight, ten years have all perjured themselves multiple times. Yeah. Has anyone been charged with anything? No. But actress Lori Laughlin's about to go to prison for rigging the crooked college system. I mean, it's absurd. <laughs> it is absurd indeed. Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit the website, site lessgovernment.org. Also, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. I proudly serve on the board, and I hope you'll check it out, thefga.org. By the way, that commercial about the uh, auto center, uh, their car sales are down, of course, by, because of the pandemic, by about 50%, but they're doing great things for the community. NADC, I hope you'll check them out as well. We have with us Linda Harden. Linda is uh, my wife. She also writes, my lovely wife, my uh, greetings from paradise, uh, which, by the way, if you want to check out her column and you haven't read it before, you can find it on my website, Greetings from Paradise. There's a pull-down down tab on uh, the website. And uh, she's, she's great. She writes very interesting and entertaining information about what's going on in the Paradise Coast. Linda, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning. Good morning, Linda. You excited today? I'm nervous, but... I'm more nervous about any cheating that might go on. I'm really confident that um, Trump's going to bring this home. Yeah, I, mean, I am too. Apparently, yeah, I think you mentioned when you walked in that he's um, he actually was got back to the White House at 3 o'clock in the morning. 3 o'clock in the morning, and he was still doing the dance, yeah. doing the Trump dance. Yeah. And he, he had a group there. I don't know who these people were. That Maybe it was White House employees. I don't know. But um, when, when he landed on Marine One and headed to the White House, um, people were there cheering him and he just, 
I don't know where that man gets his energy. I don't either. I mean, last time in 2016, he left it all in the field. I think that was one of the comments he made. There's no question. I don't know where he gets the energy, but he's doing five rallies in one day. Can you believe that? And then tweeting. First thing in the morning, he's. I think. Didn't you say he's going to be on TV this morning? Well, the poor. He was supposed to be on uh, Fox and Friends this morning at seven, um, but they're still waiting for him. The poor man probably <laughs> needed to get a couple um, hours of sleep. Yeah. You know what's so interesting though is that, uh, you know, and they, so many commentators have have mentioned this, that the the amount of people that have come out to see President Trump has just been so overwhelming. Um, Butler, Pennsylvania, one person talked about it last night that, or there was this morning, Sean Parnell, who's running for Congress in, in, in Western Pennsylvania. He said 57,000 people showed up mm-hmm. and he says it was the most amazing thing he's ever seen. And yet Joe Biden can't fill a room. I know. He, <laughs> and which tells me, why am I even nervous? He can't fill a mini, minivan. The interesting thing is uh, Byron Donaldson and his wife Erica went over to see the last rally in Miami, in the Miami area. Uh, it started at midnight, went until about 1 o'clock in the morning. And uh, they said it was the most joyous experience. They just had a fantastic time. They got home at 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm assuming, I didn't ask this, but assuming he got introduced on the stage. Again, I will think good thoughts for Byron today because he's running for uh, Congress. But, uh, you know, of course, I've had the opportunity to emcee one of these events before President was uh, first elected in 2016. They are joyous occasions. You know, what's interesting, too, is that um, on social media this morning, Joe Biden is, and or Joe Biden doesn't know what Twitter is. I'm sure. I, I'm sure he has no idea what he's doing. But his minions are posting on Twitter nonstop, which tells me they're nervous. Yeah, yeah. Well, have have good reason to be. I've never seen such palpable enthusiasm for the president. Uh, you'll correct me. I, I I'm probably getting this wrong, but there's something like a 80 mile long Jews for uh, Trump uh, car van car parade. In New York, up in that area. I mean, it was on Sunday. Yeah, was, was they closed it? down the the uh, Mario Cuomo Bridge in New York City with with all these people for Trump. The outpouring for this man is just never happened before. Right, and and, and you hear uh, chanting, "We love you, we love you" to the Trump. I mean, no, whoever does that for a presidential candidate is just amazing. And and my and I think you'll agree with this. I think the reason why it's not just President Trump, he's not an idol of some sort. He he represents to us hope for leading us out of this maze of uh, the swamp and getting us back to constitutional and back to freedom, back to the principles of our constitutional founding. And and oh, by the way, wasn't it Reagan who who talked about uh, mourning in America or whatever? Trump has a positive a message, and and all like I I messaged to Joe Biden's campaign this morning on Twitter. I said. I am so sick of your fear-mongering, hate-filled, depressing, destructive campaign. I can't wait till this day is over so we don't have to look at that anymore. You know, you're absolutely right. This really comes down to hope and opportunity versus fear. That's what, what the... Uh that's what the opposition is uh, really representing at this point. So, you know, I'm going to go get my cataracts taken out today, I, whatever that means. I'm, I'm hopeful that this all works out pretty well, but I'm going to end the show just a little bit early today just because uh, we've got to get there, uh, and uh, I really appreciate your taking me. Really appreciate you coming on the show, honey. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay. 
All right. That's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Ending just a little bit early because, as I mentioned, I'm going to go get my cataracts taken out. I hope you join us tomorrow. Uh, Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato Institute, will be joining us. We'll also visit with Andrew Joppa, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston and author of several books, his latest, How Everything Happened, Including Us. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast, and go Trump! Let's hope for great outcomes uh, today. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com. <laughs>